Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Light the Fight! Welcome to Light the Fight. I is David. Not and this. <laughs> I always, I, I always just need you to kind of list that out because I can't even say it. I literally can't say I R Heidi. I don't know. Can't it's, say I. See, I'm supposed to say I is David. You supposed to say I R Heidi. I, I don't, I don't get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little brother. I just got that annoying thing. <laughs> Everybody growing up, like, I just want to punch you in the face. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I get that little brother annoying part about me. So I apologize. Welcome, everybody, back to Light the Fight. It is good to be here. It's, it's yeah. good. And in case you don't know, we're actually recording this on January 28th, which is kind of special because January 28th is the wolf moon, which is you know what's cool is that all day long today in my DMs I got people sending me messages that today was the wolf moon and I didn't I I didn't had no idea what that was um but the wolf moon traditionally is the very first full moon of the new year and um the I guess the saying goes it's um you can hear wolves if you if you listen, I don't know if you can if you hear listen. wolves and Harriman, but um, <laughs> I, I thought not. that it was I thought that it was interesting though because tonight, about the time that you would maybe see the wolf moon rise up here in um, in the Salt Lake Valley, about five o'clock, um, an article that David and I worked on together. Uh, hit publish. So maybe that was the wolf's howling. There you go. There you go. That's right. Yeah. So the wolf moon, uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's in the desert news and Heidi can share with you the title. The title is, so this, um, is an opinion. Uh, it's called an op-ed. I didn't know what that was called, but it's an opinion, um, article. And, Heidi Swap and David Kozlowski were the contributors, so that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. But the title is "The Fight Against Suicide Starts in the Classroom," and I tell you what, wolves are howling. That that just it, just that title just makes the the hair on my arms stand right on it. Um, and then it says right underneath. The first line is Utah's students are counting on us and we can't let them down. So, there you go. And I kind no of, you guys, no you pressure. guys know, no I pressure. kind of wanted to delete it. <laughs> so you know that um, it, it hits real close to home. Anyway, so 
we got an opportunity to kind of follow up on the webinar that we shared. So we're going to go ahead and link this. You'll see it on our Instagram. Um, I'm going to be linking it on my Instagram as well. David, um, we could, Brandon, I'm sure can put a link to it in uh, the podcast as well. And in our, in our light the fight bio. So pretty cool. Um, David, so why don't you talk about why we even just share really quickly, high level, what this piece is about. Um, just like what we talked about last week about the webinar that took place, this, uh, op-ed piece is just kind of like a dovetail off of that, where we are talking a little bit more in depth about why we feel it's, it's needed for, inside classrooms for there to be a curriculum to, you know, help students with learning how to connect and build relationships with family, friends, online relationships, and obviously most importantly, the relationship with themselves. And so the, the article goes into, you know, the, the support um, Utah is trying a lot of different things. Harriman high school specifically is trying different things. And um, it's really exciting because like any opinion piece, it's a really good way to bring ideas uh, kind of like Ted talks, like ideas worth sharing, you know? Right. And, uh, I, I know I've read some op-eds that I remember I read it and a year or two later, it's like, Whoa, that thing actually happened. Like you hear it on the news. And, but I remember reading it in a paper one day. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, it just got enough, uh, attention and, and traction for it to turn into real things. So, you know, we're obviously, um, not sitting back and hoping that people, um, understand how important it is to have, um, mental health inside of curriculums, but in the form of helping the kids with the things that they really value as important on a day-to-day basis, which is obviously the relationships in their life. So, um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to share more of that message. We're excited about it. And um, also too, um, you know, right now with the start of this new year, I know everybody is looking back at 2020 thinking, gosh, what happened, but also what did we learn from what happened and what could we do differently? And I know Heidi and I are just both excited to see educators and people with education um, backgrounds kind of looking at this saying, you know, this sounds like something to take a better look at, like to really give it a solid look and see if there's something here. And I know that's exciting for us. Well, and we have with this uh, another opportunity for you guys as listeners to help us out. And, um, so if you see this, if you wouldn't mind sharing it, pass it, whether you're on Facebook or maybe you're Twitter, maybe you're an Instagram person, if you wouldn't mind linking to this in your own posts, um, that's, that's what we can do as a team, team like the fight (laughs) is to just amplify this message and just get people talking about it. If you are you know, maybe you participate in a PTA. Um, maybe you're an educator, maybe you're a, a coach, maybe you um have a friend who's an administrator. Let's just make sure that this um conversation continues to happen. And um that is what's that's what's gonna give us some momentum and some continued leverage here, is that if we can get this to kind of get get more viral. Very well said. So here we are again, so, asking yeah. you guys to, to yeah. be our hype, to be our hype. Yeah. 
Well, now let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about some uh, relationship stuff. Give a little bit of uh, some advice, some suggestions, and uh, see what people think. Okay. Well, there's a topic I wanted to bring up really quick, David, and it's something that every parent who's listening, yeah, and actually, even if you're not a parent, you're well you're well um, aware of this. But I, but. Uh, I read something today and I had a personal experience um, this last week and it got me curious. So what I thought we could touch on is, you know, as parents, one of the things we hate the most is when we just hear a constant complaining from our kids. And, um, I actually had a situation where I felt like I was not complaining, more like I was just expressing how I felt, expressing some feelings. And someone in my family felt like it was complaining, needless and um, negative and um not helpful complaining. So I want to talk for just a second, if you don't mind, your perspective on the difference between complaining and venting and how we can kind of bridge this gap or have an understanding in our families and in our relationships when somebody's actually coming to you with a complaint or they just need to talk it out so that they can get the negative, maybe get the negative stuff out. I know that in the past we've kind of talked about like how destructive it can be to just like fire hose out or shit, you know, just dirty laundry, share your dirty laundry everywhere. But I think that there's a lot of value in having somebody, having a place that you can actually talk about how you're feeling. But what is the difference between having or being that safe safe space for a child or for somebody that you love to come and talk and just complaining or when it's productive, when it's not productive and what the difference is? Um, Because I think that there's some relationship I think that it can become, I don't know. I just, I, I, I wondered if you'd weigh in on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can say from my experience, uh, that, and, and this is personal, not just professional, um, you know, complaining is, it differs. I know you said, I think you said venting and complaining, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering yeah, no, what that distinction yeah, is, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying instead of venting, I, I, you know, I complaining versus um, not venting. I like to use a uh, gosh, I'm forgetting my own terminology now. Um, uh, it's a typical therapy way of saying it, it's processing, right? Processing, in my terminology, like the way I think about it, it's just trying to work stuff out. You're just trying to work it out when you're venting to someone. You're expressing your frustrations, your concerns. That's part of processing. 
that's part of working. That's a stage and a level of working something out. You got to release a lot of the pressure, right? Complaining usually is at someone. Um, venting, processing is usually done with someone. So okay. for example, so for example, if, if uh, you have a 12 year old and they come and, and you can tell me if this is complaining or if this is, you know, just trying to work it out, venting, whatever. And, you know, a 12 year old comes up to you and says, you know, mom, I'm really frustrated with dad. You know, I just, I feel like he's being unfair. Um, you know, I just, oh, I just got so mad today when he said this and he said that. And like, I just want to tell him how I really feel. But I know if I say this and he'll get mad, it'll cause a big argument. Does that sound like complaining or does that sound like part, some type of processing going on? I think, I feel like that. I guess because. Maybe because they're not, um, it's processing, and I'll tell you why. Okay, because complaining, that, that's what I was, that's what yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, c- c- complaining would sound like this, Mom. I don't know, I'm just, I'm just frustrated with how you've been talking to me lately. You know, the way you talk to me is, and you know, you're just, you know, you're just rude, you're disrespectful, and you don't respect my space, but. That's not processing. That's not venting. That that's complaining. That's that's a disgruntled employee. That's someone you know just sharing how upset and frustrated they are. Now it's a whole lot easier to handle the first one. If if you're helping someone, like you know you know to put your arm around them, come here. Like just you listen in pockets every now and then. You say what? And they go, I know, right? And then you just kind of keep them. You kind of just keep the conversation. Like just you're letting them get it all out, right? When it comes to complaining, it it triggers a defensiveness naturally. You know, in this case, if it's you and it's with your child, it's going to be hard to listen to someone complaining to you without it, it make you naturally feel like you need to say it, share your side of the story. You need to show, uh, throw a couple shots at them because they're not perfect, right? And so in the complaining, when we have a kid coming complaining with us, so we already answered the first question, what's the difference between complaining and venting? Venting is kind of like a part of a process, right? It's working okay. stuff mm-hmm. out and complaining. You know, for some people, they may argue, well, it's part of my process complaining. It's not a necessary process for growth, though. Like, when no one likes a complainer. Everyone's worked with a complainer. Everybody's had a complainer in your friend group, your family. Maybe you've been the complainer and you look back at that stage of your life, you don't like yourself. When someone's complaining, they're not doing anything. They're just stirring the pot. And And yes. I like that you said that because it's kind of like, it's just pointing out the obvious, right? Just pointing out, just, just being mad about everything. And, you know, like I would give an example is if you take little kids on a hike and they're tired and then they're hungry and then their feet hurt and then their back hurts. And basically you just want to leave them on the side of the road while you go do the hike and then you'll pick them up on the way back or, you know, whatever. Um, whereas, you know, it's almost like, I just don't want to be here and I don't like anything and I don't, I don't want help. I just want to be mad and I want to make everybody else mad. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I I think, go ahead. Yeah. I was was just going to say, um, I reflect on a lot of private sessions I've had with families where, um, it definitely had a teenager that was excessive on the complaining. 
And my kind of go-to, and I say it differently for different people, but my kind of go-to is like, okay, you say you want your parents to give you, you know, trust, respect, freedom, all those things. And they go, yeah. And you're telling me you're going to get them to give you all those things by complaining all the time about all the things that you don't like and the things that, you know, being withheld from you. And I say, yeah, it's okay. Well, there's a problem with that because from my experience, you don't get to complain excessively and get respect. I, I think, I think if we were to search the relationships in our life, the biggest complainers in our life, the people that are constantly complaining, we may love them. Shoot, we may be even related to them, right? <laughs> they may be blood relatives. We may even share, you know, rings that we bought on the same day for one another with that person, right? <laughs> but if someone is complaining, it's kind of accepted. Everybody's going to have some complaints. But when it's ex- when it's excessive, find a person that says, you know, when I see someone complaining for a long period of time, I have the utmost amount of respect for them. And so I just put it this way to teenagers say, listen, you can want respect, you can want to complain, but if you want respect, like you're not going to get it through complaining. Like you got to make a choice. So I had a situation that cropped up. And by the way, uh, real quick, complaining, I don't just tell them stop complaining, like start communicating instead of complaining. Right. Yeah. Right. So go ahead, continue. Well, I had a situation crop up and um, it was, it's, it was a relationship situation and I was annoyed. Um and I didn't want to be annoyed with somebody somebody that's close to me. And I couldn't shake it. And so, you know, I did the dishes and it's still just eating at me. Right. And I even went and I took a bath and I tried to like breathe it out and like calm down and I was still mad. And it started just making me more and more mad. And I started to think about like all the things I've done for this person and all the effort that I'd put into this different things. And, and I was just getting madder and madder inside. And I could just feel my irritation like uh, it just started bubbling up and I, and I was not the person that I should be talking to about the situation. Right. And I literally in my head, I was like, I got it. I'm a verbal processor. I, I needed to talk to somebody. And so, um, I reached out to a friend who knows enough of the situation that I could, that I could talk to. And this particular friend started giving me suggestions on how I could handle the situation, which didn't actually make me feel better. Um, but what did make me feel better was I just was able, what you just kind of said, process it. I was able to work through it. Um, And then I actually took it to another person and somebody in my household witnessed in a roundabout way, me talking to two different people about the same situation and asked why I was just being such a complainer. 
And um, got me thinking, because I don't want to be a complainer. But I really needed to work through the situation. And what I realized is that there needed to be kind of a discussion within my own mind of, I think that a lot of us, and I don't know if it's just a, I don't know if it's, some people say it's a feminine thing, a, a, a girl thing to just let things fester and just keep thinking about it and not being able to let it go. Um, there might be some males in my life that pointed that out. <laughs> I don't know if that's real, but I wanted, I want there to be a conversation maybe um, because I wound up having to have this conversation in my home of I'm, if, if, if I've got something that's going around and around in my head, I got to be able to get it out. And I guess it kind of comes down to, I don't, I don't know if it's the, the kind of the shame thing where if I let that stuff fester, it doesn't just go away. And I just don't, and I don't just wake up in a great mood. And I think that there needs to be these conversations between people that you have relationships with that, you know, Hey, I've got something that is just driving me crazy. I've got something. Can I just talk? Can I just, I'm just going to share. You don't have to have the answer to this, or you don't have to tell me what I should do, but could, can I just talk to you about this? Or on the other hand, which I think that my husband has kind of learned He's like, is this one of those times when you're just going to kind of talk and I'm just supposed to listen? Or are you actually wanting me to tell you what I think? <laughs> and I don't know. I think that there's value in having that, establishing that with, with your kids, with the spouse, with someone that's close to you. Hey, if you need to talk, I'm just going to listen. And it's not going to go any further. And I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to tell you that you're stupid or that you, what you should do. This is just lay it all out here on the table. Because there's really something to be said for like what you said, just being able to process it in kind of a safe situation, not in, not in a situation where someone's going to dissect it all and hang it all up. And then like, ultimately be the judge and jury for you. Well, you know, now, now that I heard like more of the details of the story, <laughs> I still stand, I still stand by everything I said, but um, you know, what I kind of picked up on it sounds like it's more like you're trying to process something. A third party comes in. That's not part of you asking their opinion on something. They throw their opinion that you didn't ask for it. And it stung a little bit. And <laughs> yeah, and we've done a couple of episodes on using this word called and because when we take criticism, when we're vulnerable, you're just vulnerable. You're trying to figure something out, right? You're focused on how do I figure this out? So you go to a couple people you trust. 
whenever we get criticized called a complainer or you're freaking out, you know, and, you know, I, I don't think that's just specific to women because I know a lot of guys who, you know, are, are accused of constantly like just jumping off the handle. You know, I think for guys, it's more of like an aggressive type thing, usually, you know what I mean? Or at least that's the way it's, it's presented, but it's really, it's coming from the same place. You know, we're, we're stressed out, we're, we're fearful. And so when, when a person is getting criticized from the outside, just like how, how you're feeling, one of the most basic best things you could do is just acknowledge instead of trying to convince the person that you're not complaining, instead of trying to convince the person that they that they see it wrong and you got to explain to them the real details of what's going on, you can do two things. You can tell a person, say, well, thanks for telling me I'm complaining when I'm just trying to work it out in my mind. Um, <laughs> you know, last time I checked, uh, I wasn't asking you for advice, but thank you for giving me some. And I'm not joking. These aren't rude. These aren't rude things. These are assertively vulnerable. If you're being vulnerable and someone's going to take a shot at you, and I doubt whoever said that to you was trying to like hurt your feelings, or whatever. They don't know what you got going on. But when when you're assert when you're vulnerable and someone takes a jab at you, it's helpful to be assertively vulnerable. It's okay to, to not explain where you're coming from. You can just say, "Oh, okay. Well, from the peanut gallery over here, I can see how it look like I'm complaining." However. If you're part of my conversation, you would have seen that I'm just processing, not complaining. (laughs) (laughs) I I give two different scenarios. So I like to give like one personality may say it this way. Another personality may say it that way. But what I'm really just trying to say is that when you get criticism, the best thing you could do is not try to understand why it came, where it came from, where the intention was from, but stay focused on where you're at. Just simply say, all right, well, thank you. And, um, I didn't ask you for your opinion, but thank you so much for sharing it. Moving on, right? However you want to deal with that, if you take it lightly, it'll keep on moving. If you take it harshly, it'll halt. Boom. It'll be stopped dead. So I think this is kind of a two-part that we stumbled upon here. It, it's, it wasn't really about like the whole entire like, you know, you know, um, complaining versus venting. Um, there is a difference between the two, obviously. What it's really about is when we're vulnerable. And we take some criticism from someone, especially someone's close to us. It hurts. It stings. There's just a couple ideas that I gave that might be a different way of handling it. That's all. I think that it's that there was two sides of the coin, and and I'm going to tell you that what you just said about like when you when you can't roll with it and it stops harshly, that's more what happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> in in this particular scenario, right? Um, but then it got me really thinking about how blessed I felt that I is it my finger? How blessed I felt, sorry, that, that I had the opportunity to kind of work through it. Yeah. Um, because I was in in need of that. And I think that it's an important distinction to have because sometimes we do like particularly when you've got a teenager and you feel like they're complaining about everything there's when there is complaining I think that that's evidence that there needs to be some processing and some working through to happen and so rather than just being like 
you know what, just suck it up. And it is what it is. We're just going to suck it up. I think that there's an opportunity to say, do you want to talk more about that? You really seem, you seem frustrated and you seem hurt. Do you want to talk more about that? Or, you know, the mic drop situation, which is, I can tell you're frustrated when you're ready to talk or if you want someone to listen, I'm here. Mic drop, walk away, invite that person to bring that to you because those processing and just talking is, is so helpful. And if you can be that person, if you can establish that you're going to be that person for your kid, that's going to pay big dividends, you know, and not trying to be, um, always trying to be fixing it, always trying to be the judge and jury when the the processing is happening. Um, validating, I, I suppose, but I appreciate that you're just that little caveat that you gave about when others, and I'm going to air quote, like, especially our kids are critical of us. It is hard. And in principle, you just don't want your kid to be critical of you because you're the parent. Um, You know, um, I I just got to say one little thing. Uh, Try a good touche when your kids are being critical of you. I'm a mom a long time ago. I can't remember. It was, it's been a long time now. I can't remember if I gave her this idea or she came up with it on her own. Can't remember, but she was just kind of working on something similar because she, she would take everything personal and, you know, our boys make fun of her, you know, cooking this and that. Well, they always said that she was very critical of them their whole entire life. They don't look right for church, this and that. She was like a perfectionist, right? So every chance they got, now they got older, they'd take shots at her and she just couldn't handle it. She was too, like, she was very sensitive, right? And so she finally got to the point, tried some different things. And then she just started doing things like, you know, they would say something at her and she'd look at him, she'd go, ooh, touche. And like, just give it a touche and just keep on walking. She found that as soon as she had like little ways to kind of keep on roll with it, like saying touche or whatever it may be, the criticism just basically went to nothing. It was really just poking and prodding a little bit because it, I don't know why human beings do this. I'm sure some people out there are a lot smarter than I then I know this, but there is this thing that we, when someone we feel has an advantage over us, a power position over us, or has, in, in our opinion, they have life really too easy. We kind of enjoy to see them get knocked down a notch. We almost wish for it. We're almost like, well, my mom knew how I felt like, and then, you know, she's, they see you stressed and struggling. And it's like, see, how do you like it? It's not an evil thing. It's not a, like, they hate you thing, but everybody, okay. A lot of people have a tendency to wish someone to get knocked down a few levels for their own good because we always respect people who go through hard things and we don't respect people who aren't struggling. So t- kids take shots at their parents. Oh, my parents have a stressed out day. I'm going to take a shot at them like the way they did at me at 7 a.m. in the morning to get me to go to school. That's simply what it is. So if you can just brush, not brush off, but you can have some comebacks to roll with it. Um, you know, even a little, you know, a little joking around like the first couple I gave, I think that's the best way because at the end of the day, it's nothing there. It it could create a problem. That's not even really a problem. And I guess, you know, as I, as I'm thinking about this and I, I 
I do try to roll with the punches and sometimes it you'll get one that just hits you like right where yeah <laughs> in in one of those shame spots right and and then you don't respond as as well as you'd like to but being able to model this being able to model some sense of humor when somebody is being critical of yep. you is um a really good secondary benefit um just because if kids, I mean, particularly in our families, man, my kids are just critical of each other every chance that they can get. And there's like no sense of humor. So they, they're just constantly getting mad. Um, but I think that if we can have, if I could have those conversations, like when someone's critical of you, your brother's critical of you, maybe you could just say touche or, you know, pass, pass along that, um, you know, let's not take the criticism so personally and lash back. <laughs> um, yeah, people that we, people that are powerful and people that we respect, they're hard to knock off balance. And so when you talk about modeling. That's a good point. For, really good point. For all, for all you parents out there, I'm not saying that if your kids are smart A's or if they're super sarcastic and disrespectful that you modeled that for them. Maybe it's other people in their life. Maybe it's the world in general. But that would mean there's more responsibility as a parent to model for your kids how to be able to roll with things, how to be able to have light humor. So if you want them to not freak out all the time and not take things so personal, you could show them what that looks like. Calm down in some situations that you typically want to react to. Have some comebacks, have some light sense of humor to show that you could take a joke you know because kids especially grade school kids high school kids talk about having to have thick skin Heidi's heard me say this in a couple of our um, workshops and presentations but I don't know too many parents out there that throughout a day when they go to work that they got to get worried about man I walk when I walk through the hallways of my job I hope someone doesn't try to fight me right. I, I hope people aren't making fun of my outfit while I'm walking through the office these aren't typical worries that people going to work would have. So when your kids are going to school and they're having constant criticism, they're feeling it and they come home, they start sharing it with some of you guys, just don't respond in kind. Respond with a little light humor, have some comebacks. And if they push the envelope a little bit too hard, teenagers are always pushing the, the envelope with me too hard because they get comfortable around me. Then they'll say some things that they went a little too far. They kind of stepped out of line. Then I look at him and go, whoa, 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 hey now, I go, take it easy there, Tiger. I'm like, I'm cool. I, you know, I let I let you say a lot of stuff, but I think I think that's a little much. You know what I'm saying? A little aggressive. And they always go, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can allow, you can help them learn to find out where's that sweet spot because everyone tells jokes that offend people that are mm -hmm. accidental offenses or they just didn't land right and someone takes it personal. So it's really good to figure out. How exactly can we model for our kids to be that person that can have some boundaries, but not take everything so personal. And at the same time, don't be the doormat parent either. And I like what you said about the assertive vulnerability um, thing too, where as you can kind of let it roll off your shoulders, but if it's something that was really hurtful and really kind of landed hard, you know, maybe you take the advantage, the, let it, let it cool down, let some time pass when you can go back and say, Hey, Hey, real quick. When you said that to me this morning, 
it bothered me. You, you know, please, please don't, please don't talk to me like that. Or, you know, that wasn't cool. Or, you know, just like what you said, that was too far. Um, and take that chance to just look at him in the eye and, and have that. And the best thing you could do at that particular moment, say, if you feel I go too far, if you feel I've pushed it too much, I want you to tell me the same thing too. But come to me uh, on the side, pull me aside and tell me that. Best way to model is to do it and then invite your kids to do the same thing. Say, follow what I'm doing because this is this is a respectful way of communicating. Right. And and I think that's a, yeah, that's an excellent That must be the well. dog now. Yeah, the dog is now actually the, sitting okay. right here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is funny. I don't know if I've ever talked this. So we're, we're obviously recording, um, in our homes. We, we're still recording over zoom. And, um, whenever I sit down, my dog wants to just be right by me. And my dog is a Boston Terrier. So he doesn't have a lot of the breathing pathways to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever I'm doing any of my video tutorials, any of my voiceovers, you always hear Rocky in the background. So if you're hearing like the, like the snoring, yeah. yeah, something it's it's Rocky, and he's really. Um, whenever I start talking about my okay, kids, that's good because I thought right maybe up. you needed to have like your deviated septum like <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> whenever I start talking about my feelings, Rocky is my emotional support dog, so he like. There you go. Make sure there you go. Everything's fine. Well, I appreciate that, uh, David. Well, I, I kind of um you. You answered me on two places. This is typical whenever I bring something up to David. He finds the real reason why I'm bringing it up (laughs) (laughs) versus what I thought I was bringing up. Well, hopefully we can find one person out there listening to the podcast that has made themselves vulnerable and asked for help and then gets criticized by people that live under the same freaking roof that they do. So we could find just one person, person, just one person person out there. We could (laughs) say. Well, thanks again, always, Heidi, for being our, uh, our correspondent to the real world. Have your finger on the pulse of what pisses moms and families off and what causes them to uh, <laughs> to want to freak out. But they won't freak out because they're listening to Life of Life. Because they're listening. And you guys, like I said, if you happen to see our link um, via social media or yeah, make you comments wanna... on the article, too, online, you can make comments on the article. As yeah. Well. We would love, we would love that help to just amplify this message and give that to as many um, places and decision makers and um, people who, who care um, to read it. And we got to get as many people on our train as we can, as we start moving forward and really trying to shake things up um, in creating alternatives for um, ultimately suicide prevention uh, for youth. Well, let, let me say one last thing before we shut down. I mean, I don't know when the last time our listeners have been to a school, have been to a high school, a middle school, an elementary school. I walk the halls and it breaks my heart just how many kids I see that need to be taught how to make relationships, how to have friendships. They're scared to death of their own shadow. I don't know how often they're even getting outside their house, how often they're talking to other human beings. Whatever's going on in their life, these are really good kids and they need help learning how to build relationships. Some kids, it just does not come natural to them. And, and I mean, if we look at from school shootings to suicides to the, the bullying to self-harm to addiction, 
all these things are not just experiences people experience isolated by themselves. They experience these with family members, with friends, with loved ones. And if they have the experience and the knowledge and understanding how to open up and talk about some of their most basic feelings, it could really save and prevent a lot of young people of ever even getting that far down the road. And that's what Heidi's been saying from day one. I know I've been saying it, is that how do we help these kids day one when they step onto the campus so that they're learning about what it's going to take for them to get through this life? And what it's going to take is building relationships, making friends with teachers, coaches, whoever it may be, maximizing the power of relationships. Yeah, 100%. So, David, thank you, as always. <laughs> thank, thank you, Heidi, as always. <laughs> thank you to all of you who are listening. Um, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your feedback and your reviews. We we thank you in advance for helping to share the um, the the article that we just wrote. And thank you for helping us to light the fight. 